I just need to turn off. I have a new Sony review device, and I just don't want any bells and whistles going off. <laughs> yeah, that's the it, the dance of turning things to silent. I have like four e-readers here, which are fine, I guess. I hope. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't they, imagine they're going to make too much noise. Yeah, uh, but this Sony, the Xperia SP. Like yeah. I just heard about it today and just got the box today. Oh, so cool. yeah, it's a crappier version of the Z. Of it's the a Z, smaller one, right? It's smaller. Yeah, it's a little smaller, and the 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 screen is also not uh, HD. So it's like 720p, I guess. No, well, not full HD. So yeah, but it has this weird like I think it's a notification light. Like the whole maybe half a centimeter at the bottom is made of glass, and then there's like, LEDs inside. Mm. And when I change the theme, it just lit up. <laughs> but just, I don't know. I, I'm, it's like, it's, I think it's a notification light, but when I get mail and stuff, nothing lights up. It's watching it's, you. Yeah. It knows yeah, what I'm you're up to. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. So, okay, that's off now. I wanted to ask you, you've seen my name, right? Yeah. When, when I emailed you, like, how would you pronounce that? Uh, Anze Tomic. Oh, the, oh, you actually got the chill right. Yeah. Which, yeah, that usually never happens. But it's actually Anje because the Z Anger. has a little V on it usually. Right. But I just don't write in that because every time I talk to anybody foreign, just the, that doesn't go through. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had, I've had the pleasure of working with many sort of Eastern European and European people in my, in my working life. So I'm used to the way that some characters are, are pronounced and to always go with my gut on it, you know? Yeah, but like every time I talk to British people, my first name, the most I get out of them is Angie, or like like some sort of a girl's variation of. Yeah, I might just start calling you Angie now. Is that okay? Uh, this is this, this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should start. <laughs> we should. We should. Okay, so my first question is kind of basic. So, like, who are you and what do you do? So, uh, I am Mike Hurley. I am a podcaster. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I. I started podcasting and, and set up a network of my own called 70 Decibels, which um, I recently, we were recently acquired by 5x5, so that's sort of my new home. So I am a podcaster on the 5x5 network. But you do that after your proper job, right? Yeah. I mean, you actually have a full-time job and then you podcast. Yeah, I have a full-time job. Um, I work for a big finance company and I do marketing for them. And then in my evenings, my sort of hobby slash pseudo career is is in podcasting. Then my next question was, because I started listening to you guys, uh, actually, the command space. Oh, the bro show, actually, before that, yeah. Okay. So I started listening to you back then, and you seem like a radio guy. Do you know what that, what, what I mean by that? Like, why do you like the audio stuff? And I think for, I've always in, enjoyed podcasting since I first kind of, since I first heard it back in like 2005. Like, a, it's always something that appeals to me. I'm not much of a, a reader. I don't really enjoy reading. So podcasting is better for me because, you know, if, if I want to find out news and stuff like tech news, when I was really interested in finding it out that way, I would go to podcasts and stuff for that. So that was good. Um, and also for me as wanting to create in the same vein that I don't really like to, to read too much. I also find it not difficult to write, but it, I find it very, very time consuming. And I feel like I can get my feelings out easier and a lot quicker when it comes to podcasting because I just speak and I really enjoy it. And as a way to, as a creative output, it's my favorite. And I've tried many, you know, I tried to be a blogger, but it didn't really get much success and I didn't really enjoy it. Like I, I've always sort of come to blogging in very short like bursts. So I'll write a lot in like a couple of weeks and then the fun sort of goes away for me. But with podcasting, I've been doing it nonstop every week for three and a bit years now. And I love it just as much as the first time. Uh, when you said you're not much of a reader, right? In my experience, when I, uh, like I still do work in radio, like there's two kinds of people that go on air, right? There's the reader types, which are basically great for news and stuff. And then there's the guys that just basically, or girls, <laughs> that just, uh, so the proper DJs, the people that come in between the songs. I just want to know, why do you think you are not a reader and more of a DJ type person? I just have a very short attention span. <laughs> yeah, okay. like that kind of breaks it down for me like i i can read like some quick 
you know, stories or whatever in, in RSS and, and, you know, like text stuff. But I'm terrible at reading books. Like, I can't remember the last book that I read cover to cover. I just lose interest very, very quickly in, in things like that. And I struggle to just sit and read a book for like a, an hour. Like, I, I, I just get too... Like, I just get too distracted and I just think of other things. Oh, I want to do this, I want to do this. Like, I'm sure that people... If somebody was to just sit and watch me on my computer um, for for a couple of hours, they would think that I was insane. Like, I'm constantly sort of moving between things. Like, and I'll just spend hours just going from Twitter to, you know, maybe to Facebook and, and then to RSS and then I'll go somewhere else and then I might play a game for five minutes and then I might go back to RSS again and then I might read a comic book. Like, I am so... Like, I'm just a person that I just struggle to focus on things for like a very, very long time. So reading is just something that for me requires that focus. Like if you want to read something, you're like, right, I need to sit down and read this now. So it just doesn't really fit with my brain style, I guess. And then I heard you say once that you're not a fan of doing live stuff, but you've been doing more live stuff now, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I initially was saying that before I'd really done it. Um, and it <laughs> yeah, was more, that's the thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it was like, I didn't, I, I was kind of scared of it a bit. You know, I was quite intimidated by it and I thought that I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, and that maybe there was a part of me that was just intimidated, I think is probably the best way to say, cause it's a totally different thing. Like with what we're doing right now, like me and you are just talking and you know, in my brain, I have no idea how many people are going to hear this. You know, we both don't really, you know, at this stage. That's just the nature of, like, pre-recording things. And also, sometimes it doesn't really feel like there's even an audience. Like, when I'm recording a show with Matt or Stephen or any of the other co-hosts that, that, that I work with, it just ends up feeling like two friends talking, you know, or an interview show that I do. Oh, I'm just talking to... Gina Trapani or Brian Brushwood or any of these cool people that I talk to. And you can kind of disassociate the fact that there is an audience. And for me, that kind of removes the performance aspect of, of what, what I'm doing. But then when you put in a live audience, uh, an audience that is interacting with you in real time, you know, sometimes you can see like how many people are actually listening. It adds a total different dimension to, to what you're doing and it makes it more of a performance because your mistakes are you know they're brought out to you in real time which typically is not the case you know so if i make a mistake in a pre-recorded show someone might tell me about it but it's too late then you know i'm, I'm not going to go and re-record the episode because of it um i might bring it up next week but you've got that right there you know people to pull you up on things but also it's just a totally different type of thing to what I've done. Like I remember when I first started podcasting, I was very nervous, but I'm used to this now. So it's just something new. But as I've done more of it, which is, you know, I've been guests with people that have live streamed and stuff. Um, I'm becoming a lot more com comfortable with it and starting to see the benefits of having like a chat room and stuff like that. So I do plan to, to actually start taking advantage of the five by five live stream some point in the near future, but it's, I just need to get some of the technical stuff worked out first. You're going to start to enjoy it eventually. You know that, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I do. Because I, 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 live is always better. Yeah, I live-streamed Command Space yesterday uh, because... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I listened to a, a part of it, so... Because Moises, um, who is part of 5x5, Five Five, he has all of the, the stuff set up on his end. Um, so it was just easy, and it was fine. I mean, I was distracted by the chat room a little bit. But it's fun, like like the title suggestions I really enjoy, you know, so having people pick out the titles because that's something that I sometimes totally forget to do and spend like 10 minutes trying to work out a title for the episode. So it's kind of cool to have that feedback. And it was nice as well, like people were sort of, it was nice to see people having conversations around the stuff that we were talking about, but it is kind of distracting as well at the same time. I just need to balance that. So you think that, like, the, I guess the anxiety w will go away eventually, or do you think that's going to always be there when you do live stuff? When you look at it now, because you haven't done it much, I guess. Yeah, I know it's going to, because I'm already more comfortable with it. Like, I was on the frequency quite a bit for a while when they were doing it daily. I was sort of their Thursday guest, and that kind of made me comfortable with it, really. And now, if whenever I do live stuff, I'm actually a lot, 
a lot more comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm just telling you, it's never going to go really away. It never all goes away, which no. is good because I think that's actually one of the best aspects of doing life stuff. Because there, there's always that edge there. <laughs> just you're, People are just waiting for you to fail. And the thing I love is when you do make a mistake, when you really pull out of it live, that's the best feeling ever. Seriously, dude. You just you have to experience that more often. Because that's the best thing. Like you said, when you yeah. do record the stuff, you can just you know ignore it and maybe do a follow-up thing the next time. But when it's live, you can actually like work your way out of it. That's the best thing there is. <laughs> At least in my experience, like in oh, live totally. radio, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> and also, I mean, what you've got on the other end is if I need an answer to something, I've got a, a bunch of people that are ready to find it for me. Like that's kind of cool. Like, And I haven't really been able to take advantage of that yet, but, but that will be good. I, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, saying about the nerves, like, the nerves are always there. Like, even when I'm doing a pre-recorded thing, like, there's always an element of, of excited, you know, excitement and nerves. So I don't expect it to ever go away in full. But it's like with, with the interviews and stuff that I do, all of the nerves are manageable now. And that's, that's what I like. So like, it, it, and, and I'm able to turn that into excitement. Like, I, I, I'm recording with, uh, with Merlin later on today. And, I'm really excited about it. The first time I spoke to him, I was terrified. <laughs> Which, sh- yeah, that was probably the correct response. Yeah. Like, even following like him in a conversation, just listening to the guy is hard enough, but actually have to, having to engage, mm-hmm. that probably is crazy. And also, I mean. you know, like you just know that people are going to listen to it. People that have, it's, it's your, I mean, it's with any guest really, but with somebody of his, of his sort of stature, you know you're going to have people that have never heard you before, um, and you have to you have to sell yourself to them. You know, one of the main reasons, not the main reasons, but a good reason to have a, a show that has guests on it is it enables you every week to reach a new audience. If you know, because there will be people that are coming to the show just to listen to that. So you have that one opportunity to to try and get new listeners. And it's working, you know, it does work. I mean, you, you see the numbers go up when the show in its first incarnation of the bro show, which you mentioned earlier, which is the first podcast that I ever did. Um, that started off with like 10 listeners and I don't even know where they came from. And then, you know, that, that moves up over the years, like into the show then became command space and it, it receives thousands and thousands of listeners every week. Um, the, irrespective of the guest and then then you have anything extra that comes from that you know from having somebody awesome on um who promotes the show and gets their audience to come and listen so you know there is that that's one of the things that i love about that sort of stuff but it adds a whole new layer of excitement and sort of um nerves into the equation yeah and i guess when it's Merlin, that's times 10 <laughs> yeah he's about as big as he gets you know a quarter of a million followers on twitter i mean he's in our, in our sort of side of the internet, he is an absolute rock star. There is no arguing that. <laughs> uh, okay, when you mentioned the numbers, I just want to talk to you about that blog post you did for yeah. uh, Stephen Hackett. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole quantity versus quality. Because I've had like a running theme on this podcast with people that just like to do stuff the right way and the people that don't do it the right way. Sure. And can you just talk about that whole quality versus quantity? So this is an interesting thing. I, I don't really know where the, the the thought came from, like why it took me so long to get to that point. But it was when listening to I bring up Merlin again, a talk that he did with John Gruber at South by Southwest, I think in two thousand and nine. Um, it's either two thousand and seven or two thousand and nine. I can't remember off the top of my head. So that's why we need a chat room, right? Because they could just correct me now. <laughs> um, they they talk a lot in that talk about um, obsession times voice and the perfect reader. And things like that. So when they're talking about the perfect reader, it's imagining for them the person that they, that they want to create for. Um, you know, so let's say for example, if I use somebody like Merlin again, he's going to be the running theme of the show today. No, that's fine. So let's, he usually is. So. <laughs> yeah, I think everywhere, you know. Um, so let's say that I want to create a show that I would love Merlin to enjoy and listen to. Like that's kind of my goal is to have people like him listen to the show. You know, someone like Marco listen to the show, people that I I really um, look up to and value the opinions of. Like that's become something that's been really important to me. So what I made a decision, like I just made a conscious decision that that was what I was going to focus on and not 
obsessively check the numbers of the shows. You know, at one point I was checking the the statistics, the download statistics for 12 podcasts multiple times a day. Like that's too much. Like that that is enough to drive you insane because a lot of the time it's really difficult to try and understand where those num- why those numbers are changing and and there can be so many different factors that can that can you know that can attest to it sometimes you can work out some correlations between them and some patterns but it's actually really difficult to do that yeah it's still voodoo i mean so it's yeah. like all analytics it's yeah, like exactly. mostly voodoo basically voodoo is a really great way of describing it um so i just came to the the decision and this kind of did coincide with command space really um i mean i'd had success with every you know like with everything that i'd done up to that point i'd had a modicum of success but what command space did was it opened the doors for me to, to get into a sort of a different echelon of people <clears throat> so like i had merlin on the first episode um and then you know followed it up with other in- incredible guests and the more you know cool people you have on your show the more people find out about your show right the more other cool people find out about it because you know they'll see it keep popping up in rss or on twitter or whatever you know oh i was on the command space today um and then it was sort of when when i started seeing people mention it um and i think one of the turning points was when build and analyze ended marco posted on uh, marco.org a list of shows that he recommended that people listen to now that his show had ended and command space was one of them and it was that that post that helped me form my new sort of thinking about um statistics and it's that i was so chuffed to see that he you know so just amazed that he listened to the show and recommended it to people and i was like that's what i want to do like I could find ways to try and boost the overall listener numbers of the show. Like, you know, there, there are just things that you can cotton on to after a certain amount of time, things that you think people might like. And, you know, there are ways that you can kind of try and trick systems and things like that. But I decided what was the benefit of that in the long run? I have a real big audience, but an audience that doesn't actually care because the way that I would have, you know, got to them is by kind of tricking them and, and there is no affinity built. So I decided that what I wanted to do was to work my hardest to create a good value, uh, sorry, a, a real good product that people would value, um, that they cared about. Something that people wanted to tune in to listen to every week because it was good, um, and not because I'd found them somehow and convinced them to listen in some way. So, and I think that that's what I've kind of set out to create, and I think I'm getting to that point with Command Space. Because I know that there are people that I love that listen to the show. And once I started to see all of these things happen, it just showed me that really the important thing is that I create a real good quality product um, and then get real good quality listeners. And the more of them that I have, the more people will hear about the show through recommendations and just through people talking about the show and you know getting more great guests because they know that what they're going to come to is a quality interview show and then this started to permeate out to all of the other shows that i do and um i really just check the numbers for those shows like once a month to work out who gets paid what other than that i might not even check i might check them barely ever at all and it's a difficult thing to do um, and there was still like, you know, I would maybe check command space more than the others, um, just because it was the newest, you know, but I still wouldn't be checking it multiple times a day, every day. Um, and it m- just made me feel better because then when I would come back, I'd be like, Oh, the last three episodes of the pen addict have, have been going really well. And it's now one of the biggest shows that I do. And, and that's just a cool thing. And I'm like, well, obviously that's just because we've been concentrating on making the best show that we can make. And and that feels a lot better than, oh, this guest brought in this amount. Oh, no, this guest hasn't because you're checking it every week. Okay, so this this is going to be a great segue to The Pen Addict because cool. that's that's a show that should not exist, if yep. you know what I mean. I understand 100%. Because it's I, – I just explain The Pen Addict because I can't. The, the pen, Ad- pen Addict is a weekly podcast that I do with Brad Dowdy who runs and has run a blog for many years with the same name, uh, The Pen Addict. Um, and it's a weekly audio podcast in which we talk about pens and paper, like new stuff that we like, old stuff that we like, um, topics, you know, we might talk about 
um, I don't know, the best pens for a left-handed person or we might talk about what different types of nib sizes do, you know, like on a fountain pen you've got like broad nibs and fine nibs. Uh, but mainly it's me and him sharing um, our personal obsession and collections of pens that we have and just every week just coming and being able to talk about it. It's a show that couldn't exist anywhere except a podcast because there is nobody that can tell me and Brad that we can't do that show. Um, and the show has ha- actually ha- had great success. Like it's, it's a very popular show, um, for me and the community around it is incredibly engaged. Um, of all, I mean, I have shows that have three or four times the download numbers and listener numbers, you know, the audience basically of the pen addict. But I, do, I hear the most from pen addict listeners, you know, on social networks and email. It's the most feedback we get because the thing about that is, is it's such a niche. It's such a niche. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that there isn't anything for these people like, People that enjoy podcasts that have an obsession with pens don't have anywhere else to go, really. There's a couple of places, but some of the stuff that I've checked out hasn't been the greatest quality. There is some stuff, but um, a lot of that actually did come after our show. So, you know, we kind of have that audience cornered out now. And I'm sure that at some point we're going to reach the logical maximum amount of people that will have the show you know because <laughs> yeah, at some yeah. point at some point you're going to find everyone but <laughs> this is what I, one of the things that i love about podcasting is you can service so many niches i mean this is the internet in general right it's all about servicing niches but every podcast contrary to popular belief does not have to be about apple news and what me and brad have created is something that's really different and a lot of fun and it is you know, frequently one of, if not the favorite show that I record every week, because I get to talk about something that I only get to talk about once a week. And I, yeah. I love it. It's great fun. When I just read the description of the show, I was like, I am not going to listen to two guys talk about pants, basically. That was my <laughs> initial reaction. The reason I started listening was basically because I heard my dad. My dad does like industrial and graphic design. And he, like, he made his own pen, basically. Like, just, and he just talked about the ballpoints that you can put in it for like half an hour to me. And that kind of made me realize that maybe there's something to it and he he cannot be alone. And I'm one of you people now, which is sad, I guess. There are so many. This is the thing, right? This is the problem with the pen addict. And I think it's because me and Brad love this stuff that our passion for our obsession is infectious because there are so many people that contact me like you and say, I didn't really care about this stuff, but now I've just spent $60 and I'm ruined and my wife hates me (laughs) is an email that we get all the time. And it's cool. I I like it. You know, I don't want anybody's family to hate them, but I assume they're joking. Um, (laughs) You know, if it is cause, if if your pen addiction is causing you problem in your family life, then please stop listening to the show and, and reassess what's happening but um i i just i love making the show and i love that, that there are people like you who have come to the show and found it and now have a, a new addiction along with the rest of us yeah so yeah i'm glad somebody's happy so <laughs> <laughs> i just want to talk to you about one more of your shows and then we'll go into like a broader conversation about the internet and stuff because i have some things to talk about there but sure. bionic right which is you and matthew matthew, matthew alexander matthew i guess alexander. i should say when when you started doing bionic was the plan always to consciously focus on stuff that's not apple yeah so basically hang on one second i need to take a drink of water i don't think i've ever done this before that's fine. I'm going to do the same. So we so, can just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to leave this in. So just, yeah, this of course. The two, yeah. You have to leave it in. Uh, never cut, never edit for content. Um, <laughs> basically, I wanted to create a show about Android. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I don't know where this desire came from. At the time, I didn't even have an Android phone. Um, I'd had Android devices in the past, but I planned to buy an Android phone and create a show that covered Android. And I couldn't find a co-host. Nobody would do the show with me. Nobody. I contacted friends, um, people that I thought would be interested. Nobody wanted to do it. And then, I mean, I'd, I'd known Matt for a bit. I'd had him on as a guest on a couple of shows. And 
we'd become friends, you know, like, you know, we were, we were friendly because, you know, we we're both British and, 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 you know, we, we had that link there. Um, and I think it was Stephen Hackett who said to me, you should get, you should do the, you should convince Matt. And I basically then took a couple of weeks doing my best to convince him to do the show with me. Um, and over the conversation, the, the way that I was able to convince him was to end up agreeing that it wouldn't be just about Android. It would be about, as Matt put it, ecosystems that competed to Apple's. And that's sort of how the show was born. So what we, what we now have created is a show in which we talk about technology, but don't have shows about what Apple does. That's the thing. That's why I like the show. When Bionic comes out, that's it. I just listen to it right away. That's yeah. the only show I do that for. And this is flattery, but just thank roll you. with it. <laughs> no, I, I, I love hearing it. So thank you for saying it. Yeah. So, but the thing is, because I love that conscious decision of just not being in one camp or the other, which is so prevalent ever since the iPhone came out. That's been the whole narrative of the entire tech industry. It's just been this little tribes of people just yelling at each other and throwing stuff. So how, how much of uh, the aversion to that kind of tribal mentality went into that decision? Well, see, it's one of those things like I'd been a, um, a professed Apple fanboy for years, but I just wanted to try some new things. And over the course of the show, both of mine and Matt's opinions about the way that technology is covered has changed. Um, and we're both more open, excuse the turn of phrase, to, <laughs> to other companies now. I mean, we are both big fans of what Google is doing. Um, as well as what Apple is doing. And I feel like I personally am much more objective um, than, than I was before. You know, previously I would be listening to, to shows or reading tweets or blogs, you know, with other people that, that are big fans of what Apple does. And I would be like going along and be like, yeah, Google is evil, open is stupid. Um, but now I, I feel like I fight both sides of the camp a lot more and i think matt's the same so you know i see people complaining because i i now have a more varied twitter stream you know and, and not as many but i have a, a bunch of like google fanboys in there now too um and i will see them say oh this is, apple is stupid they did x you know closed is ridiculous and i'll say well no this is why i think you know, I think that a closed app store is great because of the curation that you get in a closed app store. And then I was, you know, but, but I see that an open app store is great because it allows um, applications that couldn't exist otherwise, apps like Tasker for Android and stuff like that, um, apps that allow me to change my launcher and customize it the way that I want. I see benefits of both sides. And, and I'm really happy now that it, in this camp that I'm in. I mean, I, I now have an Android phone that I love. I use an iPad because I wouldn't go near an Android tablet. I have them. I've had them. <laughs> don't like them. Um, and I am a, and I use Macs. And, and I honestly, I feel like I could go, you know, I could, I could switch back to the iPhone tomorrow if there was a reason that I wanted to. And it wouldn't bother me because I know that I would go back to Android as well if I felt that it was the right thing. So I feel a lot more platform agnostic now, and, and I'm happy. I'm happy that I started Bionic because it allowed me to sort of open my eyes to other things that were going on in and around the world of technology. And Bionic is also a show about uh, pleasurable cruises, right? That's the... Yeah, yeah. That's the other. Because yeah. I just love lo love the fact that you actually had to explain when you guys moved to 5x5, five five, you, you actually had to explain that you do not talk about no, I feel cruise like, liners. I feel like I have to explain to people that don't understand Matt um, what he's doing. Um, <laughs> he has a, 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 a very specific comedy styling that I enjoy and I think a lot of people enjoy. But if you are unaware of the backstory of these things, you won't understand. And the thing about him is he will not give you the opportunity. Like he will just say it. He'll be like, yeah, sexy cruise. And, and that's it. Like, and he won't like, oh, this is what the sexy cruise is. He would, I think, prefer it if we didn't explain it. Um, but you know, within the first two minutes of the show on five by five, he's already talking about pleasurable cruises, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Um, 
And so he has to be, I feel like I have to rein him in sometimes, which is fun, I think, for people that listen. Yeah, and also because you, you two are both British, I imagine the American audience takes everything you guys say a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I don't, because I don't know. Of the yeah. accent. I don't know how uh, we're perceived by our audience. I presume it's well, but I think... Well, every, like, you, you guys have a dynamic, and that's a good one is pretty rare. Yeah, we are, like, we're extremely close friends. Um, and he is one of the people that I know online that I have actually seen multiple times. We've had dinner together, we've had lunch together, we've had breakfast together. Not at the same time. That kind of sounds as weird as Matt would make it sound. <laughs> yeah, I was just... Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we have spent... He has come to London many times in the last year or so and every time he's here we spend time together because it would be stupid if we didn't because we're very close friends and, and that's great and he's i will be spending lots of time with him at wwdc which i'm very 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 excited about and looking forward to a lot you're sharing a hotel room with steven right sharing with steven yep me and steven are sharing oh, yeah. together matt um has probably got a boat somewhere that he's sleeping on <laughs> Uh, okay, now just I want to just talk to you about the internet because the one thing I always, when I'm angry at you guys, like I'm not like angry, angry. <laughs> sure. When I get really frustrated, it's because everything you talk about in technology is basically just America and the UK, which is like to everybody else in like Eastern and Central Europe is basically the same thing. And what I what I mean is like stuff like. Uh, autocorrect and stuff like that all of that stuff works way better in english oh because, I'm, sh- oh, I'm sure uh, yeah yeah that yeah, doesn't surprise you know, me that's the one area where you guys really just gloss over a bunch of crap that we have to live with basically yeah it's a shame because i don't see it yeah that, that's know? the thing how how aware are, are you of stuff like that and the fact that maybe the rest of the world really doesn't get everything on amazon and netflix and oh i know like that. that i mean i totally get that because in the uk we get a raw deal so i am sympathetic to that i mean we get a lot better than you guys um but it's it's bad compared to the states right Mm -hmm. so i i'm sympathetic to that but specific issues i mean it sounds terrible the only ones that i ever know is the stuff that federico vitici complains about that makes me see a bit like you know one of his wishes for ios 7 is like um to be able to select languages for maps, which nobody else would even consider, because what American person needs a different language for their maps, you know? Yeah, and that's just the thing. When I write my name, I never use the proper lettering, like anywhere, like sure. even on, just online, forget phones, because I never know what's going to happen on the other side. Like the first time I order something from America through eBay, I wrote my name like, I write my name with our letters, with the Z, with the little V and the C with the thing on it, right? I bought some shoes because I'm tall. <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, the shoes didn't get to me for like, I think two months or something. Because the, the person that I bought them from, his printer couldn't understand the two letters. So it was just gibberish. So he sent them to the right address, but the postman couldn't find me. Because it was like, my name was like A-N and then just a, a string of numbers. That doesn't even make any sense. But yeah, see, that's the strange stuff, right? Because those characters, the accented characters, don't exist in English. But they do in so many other languages that use the Roman alphabet. It's it's so strange that, that, that we are so insular that we don't see that. And I can appreciate... That for listeners outside the US um, and the UK and other just or just native English speaking countries, how they can get frustrated with us. I, can, I totally understand that. Like I imagine that the frustration bleeds into all of these types of publications and broadcasting companies and stuff because we only cover the stuff that we are familiar with and we see okay that was like my pet peeve when you guys talk sorry just i have to like this is one of those rare occasions when you when i say stuff in my mind i can actually say it to you and you have to respond so well, see, it's like, I, what, what other chance do you get to uh to say this to someone you know yeah, but that, that's it's like really underreported because I, I write for a tech magazine. I just did a big piece on uh, e-readers 
Sure. Like which one to get and what. And like the, the first thing is the language that I think like the second sentence I had to write was like, if you can like read English or maybe French and German, just get the Kindle and be done with it. That's pretty much like all the advice a person needs. But, but if you only read Slovene, it's, uh, that's, yeah, you're screwed basically. Yeah. And it's like that kind of stuff. It, it seems weird. It's not like I get why you guys don't talk about it too much because you live there and it doesn't matter. But I just wanted to ask like how much you're aware of it. And I guess you are. And, and Federico is like a perfect example of this stuff. Yeah, I saw that iOS wishlist thing and I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, because he has a great like a platform to to speak from and to get these feelings out he's i guess he's like an advocate for the rest of europe right? yeah that's why i like his stuff honestly yeah. seriously like when i listen to the command space uh episode you did with him right uh, uh when when you read his stuff his english is basically flawless right but when I heard him talk to you, he's like an average Italian speaking English. Yeah. Because, yeah, we, we neighbor Italy. So I, yeah, have experience with Italian speaking English and it's never great. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, to my untrained ear, there are some similarities between your accent and his. And that would make sense considering the countries are so close together. Oh, oh, you, you think so, but our languages are just not even in the same. No, the, the languages are nowhere near the same. But the oh, accents, just the accents, kind yeah, of. Yeah, the accents sound quite, there, there are some, some sounds which I pick up from you that, that I will hear from him. Yeah, well, we, we pronounce the g correctly. It's not a g and the st- <laughs> stuff like that. We just, yeah, we can read and, okay. <laughs> no, cause I love the whole z and the z stuff you guys do, right? And the h and h. Yeah, and it's, h, just, it's, yeah. it's a h. That's how it's supposed to sound. But yeah, I'm just, we're not going to go into that. Uh, I just want to, uh, I have another question. When you mention niches and the st- stuff like, uh, uh, with the pen addict when you can get that many listeners i guess because the world's this big but how much of like britishness do you think there is in your stuff because your audience is mainly america or, or am i wrong there no it is by a long way yeah how big are podcasts in britain i don't know i mean i i assume that proportionally they're the same i mean our countries are very similar um america and the uk so I don't, you know, the, there's no reason for me to believe that, like, say, say 5% of the US population listen to podcasts. I would assume that would be the same in the UK. Like, I, I don't think there would be anything specific about either country which would suggest that one does more than the other, you know, proportionally. Um, but I think just because of the sheer number of people is, is why the audiences are, are so large. Um, when it comes to UK podcasters, I know some, um, but it seems that in the area of the internet that I am a part of, I'm the only one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, I know other British podcasters, but they're not involved in what, whatever our part of the internet would be called. Because there are so many different parts of it. You know, the part where like Gruber's on top. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There, there, are, there aren't really any that seem to operate in that circle. I mean, you, maybe you've got somebody like Don McAllister. Oh yeah. No, uh, the, the screencast guy, right? Yeah. Like he yeah. is a voice that permeates this side. And to me is like off the top of my head anyways, the only one that I can think of, like there's a, a podcasting network called the British tech network, which, um, I know some of the people that, that, um, do some stuff there. Um, um you know, Don actually participates in their Mac show that they do. And, I've done some stuff with them, some live shows and that, you know, just sort of like British podcasters standing together. Um, and the, but then like we then tend to have loads of independent stuff and then the BBC, right? The BBC, <laughs> the BBC are very prolific with podcasting. It's something they picked up and a lot of BBC radio shows have their own shows. But I think it's why, I mean, we had a, we, we have and had a great relationship with iTunes in the UK to the point where they made us one of their featured providers. Now I was sitting in the featured providers list along with n- like national radio stations and international broadcasting companies on the UK podcast store because there aren't that many UK networks of any size. So I think that they were happy that there was 
somebody independent based in the United Kingdom who was doing this stuff. And that was why they wanted to, to feature us. And they did, you know, we, it was great. I mean, and I was, I'm really, really happy that they did because I think it helped open us up to even more people, you know, and it was, it was nice just to have that recognition from them. Yeah, it's the same here, actually, because we have like our version of the BBC. And there's a group of guys there that are trying to push uh, shows into the uh, into iTunes. So like right now, the top 10 podcasts are basically my stuff, which is two podcasts, and then another independent crew and everything else is basically the Slovene BBC. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Like, so I, yeah, that, that's why I wanted to ask that because I just wanted to know if it's the same there. Because when I checked the UK uh, iTunes store, it was that's the impression I got. So it's good to know that we're not the only ones in that situation. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then another thing I wanted to ask you because you're a podcaster, like, could you recommend some stuff that's not your own? Because we went through your main shows, but some stuff that people might want to listen to, even if it's if it's tech related or not. I think, uh, yeah, I would love to. And I, and I don't want to talk about 5x5 five five stuff. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, just like some stuff that maybe isn't that, that well known. or you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, because I guess people know the 5x5 five five shows that I listen to, right? You know, we, we all listen to them. Um, Maximum Fun is a network that I've recently come across. Uh, Jesse Thorne is the host of that network. And there's a couple of shows that I've been enjoying there. Uh, Jordan Jesse Go is one. I mean, they are big, but I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd known of them, but I hadn't listened. And also Judge John Hodgman. It's a great. Oh, that's show. awesome. I listened to that one. Great show. I, I love it. And after only a couple of episodes, or basically after listening to my first episode of both of those, I became a maximum fun, um, uh, donor. Yeah, because the Hodgman podcast is the best in-car podcast you can have. I can imagine it is, actually. Because that's like live radio. It's yeah. just way funnier than anything they do. What I love about Judge John Hodgman is that it is a different format. It is a totally unique format, um, and that's what I love about it. You know, it's it's as if it's set in a courtroom. It's very, very clever. Um, there's a show on a network called the Frog Pants Network, called comic dorks that i enjoy it's a comic book show um for people that in, are in, uh, enjoy such things and um, pat driver's hundred down show is, is very entertaining it's like a health and fitness type show but pat is always good fun so it's good to listen to him it says he's trying to lose a hundred pounds yeah i've listened to a couple of his episodes yeah. i like his stuff anyway so yeah that's a good one <laughs> there's a small network um called sskTN um, so it's those those letters. It's uh, run by uh, my friend Chris Enns. Um, I believe the SSKTN stands for Saskatoon, which is where he lives in America. Um, and he has a couple of shows that I enjoy. One's called Show Me Your Mic, where he interviews podcasters. So naturally, I enjoy that. Um, and another show called Too Lazy to Blog, which he does along with another couple of podcasters that I enjoy, um, called Tim Smith, who has... Uh, a show called The East Wing, um, and also Adam Clark, who has a show called The Gently Mad, which is a design show. The East Wing and The Gently Mad are both design shows, but they, they got together and did this episode. It's kind of self-serving for me in a way. The three of them got together and did an episode of Too Lazy to Blog where they spoke about um, the acquisition <laughs> of my <laughs> network. And I listened to it, right, because I wanted to see what they had to say because I knew I'd spoken to them all individually and knew that they enjoyed the network. Because one of the things that I was – a slight aside. One of the things that I was concerned about with the acquisition is that the fans of 70 decibels wouldn't be happy about it, like, you know, that I was no longer independent. Oh, but getting acquired by 5x5 five five isn't really like – you weren't yeah. acquired by demand, you know. Exactly. I mean, and also uh, it wasn't like I was acquired by a network that nobody loves, you know. Everybody. Yeah, the opposite happened basically. Yeah, exactly, and 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 has made things and will continue to make things more awesome. But yeah, they do a show called Too Lazy to Blog, and the three of them together—they're both sorry, they're all three of them, very talented podcasters—and I think that they all have, if they want it, you know, a future in this stuff, if they want it. Um, and the three of them together have a great chemistry that, that I enjoy. Um, unprofessional on Mule, I enjoy. Um, that's fun. Uh, I think that that's kind of it, really. Like of the sort of the regular shows that I listen to that aren't big network stuff. You know, I love Accent Tech Podcast, Back to Work. 
Yeah. You know, all of those great shows, you know, Screen Time, Comic Shack, uh, Mac Power Users in beta. I listen to so many shows. Like, it's ridiculous. I have like 60 podcast subscriptions. Yeah, it, my pocket casts look the same, basically. So, <laughs> And speaking of pocket casts, like the, the last part of my show is always the hardware and software you use. Sure, yeah. So we're, we're not going to go into podcasting here because that's just interesting to me and you and seven other people. <laughs> but yeah. Like, uh, what's your main machine and your phone? Situ- I know your phone situation, but yeah. So I use a, I use a Nexus 4 at the moment, um, which I love. I love my Nexus 4. Um, and I use a 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro. I don't record onto this, but this is my computer. I record onto a Mac Mini. Um, so I'm not using the Well, with my setup, I actually couldn't use um, the MacBook Pro. It doesn't have an audio in. Um, but I wouldn't want to record, and I used to, uh, but I wouldn't want to now record and keep up show notes and stuff on the same machine at the same time. That just seems dangerous. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I have a dedicated machine that just does uh, the recording because... So many things can go wrong. Yeah, you just don't want to mess with that, right? You, you want to just leave that alone to do its thing. Yeah. Okay, and on the software side, the apps you actually use, that's the the, the phrasing I use. Should I like talk that? about some Android apps then? Yeah. So uh, my favorite apps on Android, Pocket Casts is fantastic. Um, Falcon Pro for Twitter, I love. Um, Press, which is a fantastic RSS reader. Uh, Robin which is a great app.net client. Um, I use Astrid Tasks. It's unfortunately going away soon because Yahoo have bought it. Yahoo t- bought them? Yeah. What? Yeah. I, okay, I missed that one. Okay. Uh, Evernote. I've been using, getting more into Evernote again. Um, and then on the Mac, I, I use Tweetbot, um, Reader, Instacast, RDO, and I recently switched to Google Chrome from Safari because... The more information I put into Google, the better my experience is, in my opinion. Yeah, but they're evil and they're going to abuse it and blah, blah, blah. Apparently so, right? This is what the internet's telling me. Yeah. I'm with you guys. I I don't care. (laughs) No, I don't care either. I mean, as I said to somebody who was saying like, oh, they have so much information, I don't trust them. It's like, well, who do you trust? Like, what company do you trust then? Yeah, because I don't, I don't get the distinction really. Like when it all boils down, I don't get what the difference is between like Apple having your like credit card information and Google having it. Yeah, I don't. I I understand they're selling ads against it, but yep. I don't. It's still a, a corporation. I don't see the distinction really. I agree. I mean, because like yes, they are selling ads against that information. I understand that. Of course, that makes sense that they will use that back to me. Just because Apple isn't selling ads doesn't mean they're not using the information for something else. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. And I, I love the people that just say, yeah, I'm not going to give Google my phone number. And I'm like, dude, like 17 people have already done that. Like, I, really- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, if you know somebody who is connected to the internet, Google has all of the information on you that they already need. Yeah. Just, and- I just think to myself, What's the worst that's going to happen? Like, really, what is the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, and the thing is, like, I just talked to somebody, like, last week who was said, that said against giving Google anything, and that's why they were on Yahoo. <laughs> I don't... Oh, perfectly safe, then. <laughs> yeah. No problem to worry about Yahoo. It, it's yeah, because they're great with this kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, you know, they're not a company that's in trouble. That's another reason I like Bionic, because you guys, uh, that's my sentiment exactly. And everything I write and say is in that vein. And yeah, that's that's one of those things that I'm just like, finally, somebody. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, and then my last question, this is the last one. Is there a piece of hardware or just something physical, something you can hold that was the best thing that ever happened to you? And like, I know everybody says the iPhone and whatever, but like anything, it can be like, I had people saying electric kettles to me and like... Uh, uh, room heaters and stuff like that, so it doesn't have to be like techy, but just like a piece of hardware that really felt like it was made for you. Oh man, see that's such a hard question to not say the iPhone or the iPad, right? Because of what they did, you know, they revolutionized the way that we communicate. So it's it's difficult to not say that. Like I'm now looking around and trying to find something that I can tell you other than that and i don't know maybe 
Maybe my microphone. That's a yeah. That, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, Which is what now? I use a Heil PR40. Oh, okay, the one with the screen that looks like a monocle, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to buy one of those. But yeah, I have the little monocle screen, like the pop filter. Um, I don't have everything that I need to make this microphone sound as good as it could. Um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I am aware that I need preamps and, and all these things. And but you know, I feel feel that the way it sounds at the moment is is much better than my microphone sounded before. So you all have the day to look forward to when my voice sounds even better. Um, but this microphone allows me to do something that I love. Um, and it's changed my life. I've had microphones before this. So, you know, my Blue Yeti is also very important to me, which is why it still sits on my desk. Uh, I'm talking into one right now. So, yeah, I got that. I think it's a great mic. It's not the best USB mic, but it's a great one to start with. Um they, you know, and they, they are also, for me, in my opinion, paving the way to the future of my career. You know, I, I do believe I still have my fingers crossed for this year, but that I will be able to take podcasting full time. It will happen, just a matter of when. Yeah, and when that does, I'm going to be happy as always for you guys. And so, that, I mean, that's you. one of the reasons I think it will happen is because there are people that want it to happen that aren't me, and I think that's important because that means people will be there to support me and follow me. Because if nobody's listening, nobody if nobody cares and nobody listens, then I won't have a job. <laughs> okay, we have to end more upbeat than that. So, yeah, you're, you're going to do this full-time. Just say, just say that sentence and then we can stop. <laughs> I'm going to do this full-time. <laughs> uh, Mike, where can people find you online? I just wanted to say that to you, so just do your thing. Uh, yeah, 5x5.tv, um, that's where you'll go to find most of my podcasts, very soon, all of them. Um, I'm on Twitter and app.net, I'm imike, I-M-Y-K-E, I think that's it. Okay, that, that's it. This, 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 that's all I have. That's, and it's awesome. 55 minutes. I'm, hey, that's I'm, good. That was the first episode of the Storming Mortal podcast. I really do welcome all kinds of feedback because this is my first foray into English speaking stuff for real. So you can reach me via email at hello at stormingmortal.com. And I also created an English Twitter account of mine. So that's at AtomicXX. Next week, I'll be talking to Chris Gonzalez, who writes a great site called unretrofied.com and writes for Sean Blanc's Tools and Toys. So until next week, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. Bye.